0: SHUT sure.
1: Welcome to another installment of Show To Be With Mike G, the show of life, the show of tequila, the show of Alahara, Washington, D.C., learning English, learning how to be a host, and so much more. It's been months in the making, but finally today, I have a great chat with Alan Ruskampelayo from Casadores Tequila. It's been a back and forth via email, but he finally was recently here in Austin, Texas during ACL weekend, and we got to sit down and chat. Now, I'm going to say... I am not the biggest fan of tequila. I will drink it. I think I've been pretty outspoken about my thoughts about agave and mezcal in particular. But it was great sitting down to learn more about the Casadores precision and process. And there's a bit of talk about the diffuser. So you guys digest it, think, and get back to me let me know exactly how you feel. So without further ado, I hope you guys enjoy this great chat with Alan Ruska, Pelayo of Casadores Tequila.
2: And at the age of 21, I've been in the United States for like almost 16 years. Right. So the age of 21, I decided to move to the United States. Yeah. And the reason is because my sister used to live in Washington, D.C. okay. So I went to go and visit her, and she found my job. And it was in the restaurant industry. Interesting. And But it wasn't that easy. She had like a couple of people that she probably... Uh, believe it would be opportunity for me. Yeah. But then I didn't speak any English back then. Oh, okay. So we went there. My sister helped me to fill out the application. And then at the time of the interview, you know, it was in English. So I was like, you know, trying my best. And then the third time, of course, because I didn't speak the language, they were like, oh, sorry, no. Right. Because I was looking for something more like a, like a bar bag, uh-huh. things like that. And because I have no experience in the kitchen. So,
1: well, so, okay. So this is, here's the thing. We all kind of start from somewhere, right? And yeah, I love that you take both your father and your mother's last name, right? Yeah, Which makes yeah, it a very, yeah. very operatic name. Pelajo?
2: Pelago? Pelago? Uh, uh, no, Pelajo is a bad mal- <laughs> <wait>, word. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is Pelayo. Pelayo. So, okay. Pelayo.
1: so, this influence on your name, even, when you're growing up in Guadalajara, what Kinds of things were you interested in? Did you feel like you needed to follow, their, excuse me, follow in your father's footsteps, follow father and follow in your mother's footsteps? What kinds of things
2: really were exciting for you? For me to keep the both last names? No, or just to, just in general. In like, general, yeah. Well, for me, I for me my parents they are like a huge, uh, you know, basically they raised me and yeah. I really follow a lot. Um, you know, with trying to. I say in Bocat in English, but basically they teach me some, you know, they were trying to build me on some way yeah. that I believe it, it was the right way. So, so, you know, of course, when we're little, we, we fight with the parents and things like that. But um, sometimes when I call to my mom or oh, my parents, like, they just start crying. And I was like, uh, because... You know, uh, when I talk to them on the phone, which is, the, you know, they're in Guadalajara. Yeah. I tell all, like, you know, my life, like, how successful it is. Mm-hmm. And, and they get um, very happy about it. Yeah. But then I tell them, like, well, whatever I've been doing is because, thanks to you guys. Like, you know, you are the example who gave me. Like, you know, you raised me this way. Yeah. So, I was like, thank to you guys that you guys did so much effort. I feel, you know, is the person who I am now.
1: A perfect culmination of both sides. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, it also, a lot of folks that I talk to in an interview, there's always some kind of background in hospitality, but you don't think about it. Like, my mom was an RN, but RNs and nurses take care of people, as do you behind the bar, right? So what kinds of occupations did your mother and your father have? This this, this
2: is a great, uh, actually, uh, a question, because I have a great story about it. So, well, my dad is an architect. Oh, yeah. And my mom, she uh, raised us, but then she's been into French culinary. And then...
1: Uh, yeah, really? Yeah. I just made a face. Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 <laughs> and then also she's been doing... Um, what else? Interior designing. But my parents, they have tons of friends. Yeah. And they like to host parties. So, I am the youngest of three brothers and two sisters. And basically, when they were doing like a, these uh, reunions, mm-hmm. which is kind of, the, you know, the reunions in, in my city. So, my parents, they have a strict designated job from each of us.
1: Okay. So, by the
2: guests, they walk in. You know, some of my, my siblings, they were in charge of taking the jacket. The other one that was in charge of making the cocktail. Uh-huh. The other person was in charge of making, you know, uh, offering the, the canopies and things yeah, like that. Yeah. So I think a lot of the hospitality they have, it came from those reuniones. Did you have a
1: job that they said, you know, Alan, you've, you're the best at this. So you got to do it every time we have a get together.
2: Um, I don't think they never, they never say something specific to each of us, but at the end, we were just working my entire, like, uh, we were working as a team, Mm. like, uh, you know, my brothers and sisters, and... And, you know, because I'm the youngest, my older brother is 10 years older than me. Oh, okay. So, you know, by the time they were just probably doing a great job, I was just like, uh, ha, 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 you know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> but uh, but through those reunions also, this is how I learn about the spirits. Yeah. And, you know, what, what is what is a, what is a beer, what, you know, and then my we start identifying which of my parents friends of even uh uncles uh-huh. what they were actually the like to drink. So by the time they were coming back to my house, we're like, oh, ron con coca? Uh-huh. It's like, oh, you want a tequila needle or in the rocks and things like that. So so from there it's like a, okay, well now I know what's the difference. I know it's something is different between tequila and Ron. I don't yeah. know what is it, yeah. but I know it's different. <laughs> what do you, so was it,
1: You know, my whole perception is that age spirits are the most popular in Mexico. Now that's changing with younger kids really being interested in the raw materials and stuff. Did you see any trends then? People that were drinking this over that?
2: Back then, brandy. Yeah. Brandy was very, it's still very heavy in Mexico. But back then, we have a a national spirit called Presidente. Uh And so Presidente back then, it was very heavy. Uh, Also, cognac. You know but yeah. back then they were drinking a lot of cognac, but I'm, I'm talking to talking, they were talking, they were drinking a lot, but they mostly of the people they were drinking just tequila, yeah. And back then I remember the brands it was uh, Jimador, it was very heavy, uh, Herradura, uh, Jose Cuervo Tradicional, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 the funny thing is, uh, my grandfather. No bullshit. Yeah, he was drinking Casadores. <laughs> really? Yes. How long has
1: the brand been? And we'll talk about the brand more yeah. here
2: in this latest chapter. But roughly, it's, how long has it been around? It, it starts in the 1920s. The 20s. Oh, oh wow. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, so it's just crazy because that we can go more into a uh, deep conversation. But when I have my interview for the current job I have, uh-huh. I told them the story, and they're looking at me like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> they're like, "No, seriously." <laughs> it's a, that's the thing, and that's
1: because our desire to be hospitable to others to host it always comes from someplace yeah. you know what i mean yes yes being an architect is a very academic profession interior design as well it takes a bit of schooling at least a good bit of net- networking so as you were kind of trying to make a decision to go to university was it an expectation that you would father or excuse me follow in either architecture or that you would do design or that you would
2: do science any expectations there no actually my parents they were kind of open uh the only really cool part about my dad is uh we helped him a lot where he was trying to bring us a lot uh, on his what is his job. Mm-hmm. Because besides being an car- architect, basically, they have a lot of properties. Mm-hmm. So my mom is mainly also uh, managing the properties. Oh, wow. Yes, I can't, I forgot what I was saying. Uh, and then so my dad is make sure that they're renovated or some of them buy it. And then it's completely like a, you know, a mess. Yeah. And then it's just, you know, let's fix it. And basically part of jobs when I was a uh, little kid is going with my dad to go and buy, make the contracts or buy all the cement and uh, pick up the the, the albañiles, which are the construction guys. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I, I was very, very, because my dad is hands on. He, he has like an engineer's friends, but sure. he likes to do everything by his own.
1: Because it's one of those, it, do you ever get the sense, you know, that term paying your dues? Yeah. Right? So you talk about bar backing in D.C. or this is the first job, and we'll circle back here, but you have to get your hands dirty. You can't just hire people to
2: do all those things. You have to be in the weeds with it. Yeah. You know, and, it, you know, and, I, and I feel like my dad, uh, at his work, he l- liked to micromanage. Mm. But for us, the way he liked us, you know, grow, it was more macromanaging.
1: I see. Yes. Any expectation that you would
2: take over the properties or take control? and? So it's uh, it's uh, basically, it's hard for me to be here, yeah. but we definitely had a conversations that, you know, our parents, or, or I don't know if your parents are still alive, but you yeah. know, but parents are not forever, you know, that yeah. at some point they want to pass away. So my, my dad, he's want to make sure that we heritage all these properties because mm-hmm. basically he say that, He's been working so hard now for him, but he wants to just leave us something good for us. Sure. So we've been having a lot of reunions, you know, to trying to see, well, you know, what is next, mm-hmm. you know, when, when our parents they are now with us any longer. And I want to, you know, I'm trying to take apart as much I can from here Yeah. because, you know, we have the internet. I have a cell phone. I can do as much I can from here.
1: Yeah. That's <laughs> made it a lot easier to keep in touch with people. Yes, yes. You, know? yes. you can do business that way. I'm yeah. sure you've got meetings with New York all the time. Well, rather you live in New York, but even if you were here in Austin for a month, you'd still be able to yes. touch back. Hey, I was in my computer and working this morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. <laughs> <laughs> so you venture off into... Studies at the university, uh, business administration. If I understand correctly,
2: and in mini- Spanish is administración y in negocios internacionales. Oh, international. So, so basically in English is administration and international business. So the major was in international business. Yeah.
1: Good experience for you.
2: Yeah, you yeah, it? definitely it was. You know what is funny is that um, I, I. Uh, I don't, I don't have actually officially my title because I never finished the English exam.
1: <gasps> no way. And now, of course, if you were to go back. Yeah. Easy. Boom. Boom.
2: Yeah. But I, for some reason, it was just, it, it It was really hard for me to learn. Really? You know, I still have like this accent and I still don't forget you know, some, some days English, it gets better than other days. Yeah. But back then I th- and I, I didn't believe it would be like a very important and it was very frustrating for me. So then when I came to the United States it was like a, oh my goodness, I have no option. Yeah. I just have to learn it. And basically m- mostly my English I learned for working in the hospitality. So yeah. it's just uh it's completely different language. Absolutely. I know if you are working in another like you know, if you're a doctor right. or if you are like having any different kind of pro- you know, profession. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Was there ever the, the moment where you're thinking I I'm gonna I'm gonna fin- you know I finish well everything minus the English degree? Did you want to stay and work in business in Guadalajara, or it was really about your sisters in the states? It looks like a great opportunity.
2: Let me go check it out. So for me, it was I I came to business in my city. Oh, I went to visit my city in D.C. only for uh three months. Oh, I have my return ticket. Uh huh. So it was just had, a vacation. you have to, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, you have yeah. to. Yes. Yes. Yes uh and then I decide to don't don't go back. It's like a, oh I want to extend my by basically my staying. Mm-hmm. So when I start doing it, it was I was flying to different countries like Canada or Spain and come back oh. and just ex- extend my, my my visa And but working in the in the restaurants, I really fall in love. Yeah. of this industry. I started working as a barback, but then I started getting curious of how each different position was working. Mm-hmm. So I was asking a lot of questions. And inquisitive?
1: I w- you're, you're a very inquisitive kind of person? Yeah, yeah.
2: But I was luckily that, you know, 90% of the staff, it was Latin. Oh, okay. So yes, I was learning a lot of things, but at the same time, I was not practicing that much the English. Mm. So then from working... Uh, as a barback they start giving me different opportunities and I was like what? You gave me an opportunity to go and do that job? Yeah. I was like uh, yes I would love to do it and you know so basically from bar back uh, I went to busboy, busboy I worked a little in the kitchen in the kitchen I went to be a bar back. and then they were like well do you want to work as assistant manager? and I was like oh, hell yes you know and so mostly on my career in Washington DC which I lived like around 10 years it was managing uh, restaurants. Yeah. Yeah. That's mostly my career.
1: You learned the language. Yeah. You had to. It was a necessity. Now, even if you say there's like just a bit, it's the, the hospitality dictionary, as I say, like yeah. quotes. Give me some tips. I'm trying to learn too. I've got a tutor. I've been studying. And, <laughs> you know, Leslie's very, very fluent. And I feel like I get on her nerves sometimes, right? Asking, what does this mean? What is this? But for you, what was some of the keys? For learning
2: the language for me the language it was the necessity of yeah. course number one and number two it was i want because i started feeling like uh, i was getting some opportunities mm-hmm. so i was like uh, well if i learn more the language you know maybe i can i feel a little more secure to asking a little more deep questions i see and i was like uh, about how things are work in the restaurant mm-hmm. so for me it was, most of the necessity and, and the frustration, right? That, oh. you know, you in my head in Spanish, I want to say this, 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 and that. But yeah. then I had this bar, uh, bar uh, but, you know, I couldn't do it. Yeah. So uh, I think it was that. It was something in my head. I was telling that if you want where your heart is saying, yeah. you have to learn English. Yeah, yeah. and so, so
1: flip that because that's how I feel about Spanish because... You meet people in D.C. that do these amazing things. You're learning, you know, all parts of the business. And so I'm meeting mezcaleros and mezcaleras, and I just love the work that they do, but I can't adequately ask them the question.
2: See, this is great for me because yeah. I can ask all the questions. Hey, also, you know? tequila mezcal helps. That's so. right. It <laughs> <laughs> loses their tongue and you give you a little that. more courage because seriously, sometimes people, you know, I, I don't know. I, some states in United States, you yeah. are allowed to smoke some weed, right? Sure, sure you know. Yeah. But it, it sometimes that loosening up is is uh, you know a lot of people have issues of uh, anxiety, sure. and things like that. I have anxiety sometimes. Yeah. And and that loosening up is like you know I was like okay now I feel like I can. <laughs> You're ready to try? <laughs> yes, nice. yes, yes. So were you staying with your sister in DC? I stay with my sister for. Like two years and then I got my own place. And then she now is no longer then she went back to Mexico now. Oh yeah. Now she lives in Monaco. Very fancy.
1: <laughs> I've never been. It is fancy, isn't there.
2: it? Yeah. I've heard incredible things yeah. about it.
1: So the next big move, if I understand correctly, is to New York City. Yeah. What brought you to New York?
2: So actually between DC. And New York Actually I live in Connecticut For mm. a couple months <laughs> mm. And the reason that I decided To relocate Is was because D.C. You know it's not as big mm-hmm. And I feel that What is next in my life I've been here for so long And I Find a company That it was very exciting for me A Spanish restaurant Oh really? Yeah I was like I want to work At that restaurant Mm. And then I went to an interview and told me like, Alan, you know, we're not hiring here, but we are really interested in you. It's like, do you know we have more restaurants? I was like, no, I had an idea. He's like, no, we have 15 restaurants all over the East Coast. Oh wow! It's like, uh, and now uh, we have an opportunities in Connecticut. Are you willing to relocate? And I was like, well, let me think about it. But at the end it was great pay, they paid for my relocation. And it was like maybe something in my head, it was like, it was going to be something exciting. You know, Connecticut, Connecticut, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I've, I've never been, I'm not judging, but how was it in reality? In reality, the company, it was a great experience, Yeah, but Connecticut is just, <laughs> yes, I think it's beautiful. I think it's great to grow a family right there, start a family, mm-hmm. have a house, And but it wasn't for me. So I just worked there for seven months, eight months. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so close from New York City. I was going in Metro North on the train all the time. So, it like, uh, I, just, I just have to move. Yeah. So I started looking for opportunities in New York, and I got hired, and I got relocated. By the way, uh, through all this, I was with my girlfriend, which I met in D.C. Mm-hmm. Then she moved to New York. Oh, wow. And I was in Connecticut, so I was really I was visiting here a lot. You've already gone. I was already gone. Oh, going okay. There. So then I decided to just move to New York, and then I started working at another Spanish restaurant in New York. But when I was in Connecticut and before Connecticut, I was m- mostly managing. Mm. That was that was my profession. Mm-hmm. At that at that part, had you been doing bartending yet? I did bartending in DC. Yeah. But for the last years, I was just managing. Mm. So then I was like, oh, I think that's my thing. I want to be a manager, which, you know, is a lot of work for yeah. us, you oh, know. Yeah. But uh, I know well pay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was in Connecticut, and then I decide that if I move to New York, I don't want to manage anymore. It's like I want to be a bartender because in New York, you have one of the best bars, yeah. you know, in the planet. And I feel that if I really want to – I was – I very curious about the cocktail industry and I was like I'm not going to learn it being a manager. I want mm. to learn it being behind the bar.
1: Did you were you into cocktails yet? Because, you know we always have those moments where
2: maybe we're drinking beer or maybe we're drinking tequila straight or what?
1: But cocktails eventually hit us and then we're like You know,
2: oh. I I I was really because I was more in the managing part, I was being like a, okay, if I put a cocktail on my menu, it has to be on their cost of this much and then i was dealing who is going to be the spirit of Mm. the specific cocktail depending on the deals that they have and the relationship so it was more like a business business yeah so for me you know of course it had to taste good but you know i couldn't tell you the recipe of a yeah you know it was it was just the numbers related so that's why i was like i was lacking for that information and i just decided to You know, it's just like, I just want to follow what my heart was saying, get into the cocktails. Yeah.
1: Was it a hard adjustment? No, it was a lot
2: of, well, of course it was a challenging of then knowing, you know, Yeah. even, you know, you know, what I know what is room. I know what it tastes. Mm -hmm. I know what is aging because through the tequila, but what is the process? Sure. I have an idea. You know, I know cognac, you know, it's coming from, you know, from Europe, mm-hmm. but what is the process, how they made it? I have no idea. So for me, I had definitely to study. So I started buying a lot of books, you know, studying, studying, asking a lot of questions to the bartenders. And on top of that is the recipes. Yeah. So, you know, it's just memorizing this recipe. So it was challenging, but it was a lot of fun. Well,
1: you know, it's a ch- absolutely. I mean, yeah. learning about, because each of the spirits are their own chapter. They're so different, but they are interweaved. You know what I mean? Like, tequila is like mezcal, but they're different. Yeah. Brandy is like cognac, because it is, but it's different. Yeah, Brandy, yeah. But it sounds like when you don't know something, when you need to learn, you put your head down and you study. First with English, and then now with the different areas of spirits. Is that kind of the thing that you would say that you've got a proclivity to? To If you don't know something, you sure shit sure is going to find out.
2: You know the thing is that I don't know how many it happened too many times with me that it was I was a bartender and the guest asked for a cocktail and I didn't knew that cocktail or for a specific spirit and I felt really bad. Yeah. You know, the that that the guest is like a what do you mean you don't know this? And I was like, a, uh no, no <laughs> clue. And then you know, trying to go with the next to the bartender, hey the guest is asking for this and this and this. What is that? Yeah. It's like oh, it's a cocktail. Oh, what is in the cocktail? Sometimes like, oh, it's you know, it's 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 a rum. So for me, the 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 the, the lack of knowledge, I was feeling kind of ashamed. Yeah. I was like, how come I'm doing this job? I'm behind the bar, but I don't know what I'm supposed to know. Yeah. So that was mostly like I was who they pushed me to you know to learn. Yeah.
1: What are, I think, the fundamental traits or characteristics that people have to have in the hospitality industry? And so you've got early experience hosting people. But I'll say, it. do you enjoy people? Do you like being around people, taking care of them? I
2: really do. It's uh, it's just I love to have friends. Yeah. And, and for me, it was, you know, I'm very hospital and I like to be around good energy. Yeah. You know, uh, someone who has great energy, I'm right there. Mm. Even sometimes you have people that are very influential. It's something that somebody will ask you or advise you to be around that people. But if the energy is not good, I'm just being very polite. But I prefer to hang out with someone else.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Do you find that the person now, we'll get into, because this brand role, this particular chapter is, I think, one of the biggest and most interesting. But as an identity as a personality behind the bar, do you feel like you can be yourself or do you have to put a real fine line between sharing too much and being
2: yourself too much? Well, I feel like it's depending of who you are around. Mm. You know, I I think as a, this industry and being bartender and managing, you always wear different hats. Yeah. You know, and I feel like uh, I learned that technique through through the years so sometimes if i meet someone then i have the hat is like hey nice to meet you Uh you know and then if i have like a you know someone who i know for a long long time then i have this different hat so it's like a it's still me yeah but i approach people just differently it's adaptive adapting yes
1: so you start to learn about spirits you start to learn about cocktails and you've had a really nicely decorated resume throughout new york city cosme meta what was a moment where you were at work maybe it was a new job and you're thinking oh shit this is actually going to be a huge challenge
2: <laughs> this is a lot i don't know how i'm going to do it um we go a little back on 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 that is like you know sometimes even when i was bartending it was that you know because I feel like I've been very lucky through my life. Yeah, I've been applying to places, and they hire me. Probably they even know that I'm lacking the knowledge, mm-hmm. And but sometimes I get the opportunity to work like a, you know, for me, one of the greatest experiences in the cocktail industry was working, it was opening a hotel in New York, it was at the Edition Hotel oh, at wow. the Clock Tower, historic building. Beautiful hotel. Yes, yeah. yes. And for me, it was that, okay, I'm in, now what? And then you feel like a depression in your chest. Uh-huh, yeah. So that's why I started like you know, kind of learning, uh, you know, the lacking that I was having with the cocktails. And then sometimes, it's like, uh, but I, I feel like, um, uh, the same repeats when managing when yeah. it's managing. Like I, when I was with Cosman, I was like, uh, oh my goodness, you know, it's top fifty best restaurants in the world right. and one of the best in New York City. Sometimes, like, you better deliver and better deliver well. Right. Yeah.
1: One of the things I think that's really important, you know, kind of in reviewing your past and the cocktails you've created, there's a bit of information on the Internet, of course. But when it comes to inspiration, for instance, I like movies and they inspire me in how I create. People sometimes do. Art especially does. But for you, when you're getting creative, Maybe you have an event you have to execute in a different way, a cocktail that needs to come from a different place. What are some things that inspire
2: you that you find as fresh
1: areas that give you ideas?
2: Well, I have an inspiration. I don't think it's that fresh but I feel like <laughs> my inspiration is you know being mexican yeah it's just for me that i'm a I'm in the united states and and and, and but you know I pony race in Mexico and that yeah. pushed me. Because you know we have all these beautiful roots and history and and cuisine and music and uh, and the thing is that not that many people know that
0: right.
2: It's a lot of lacking of knowledge and it's fine. It's like a like a, I didn't know nothing about cocktails. Right. Or, you know, but for me it's like a, you know I I I love my country. Mm-hmm. And funny thing is when I was working even from bar back or busboy. Until you know, when I was working at Dante or Cosme, mm-hmm. uh, and and I always felt that I was ambassador of Mexico everywhere you go. Everywhere right? you go, it's like, a, hey, you know, you know about tacos, ah, yes, yeah, like well, one of the crispy tacos, that's Taco Bell. I mean, what about an authentic taco, right? You know, that kind of things like experience, like you know, this is what we do in Mexico, things like that. So, right now, when, when I do an event or things like that, I was like, uh, it's just. I want to transport and I want to make uh, feel you know warm like the the hospitality that we have in Mexico.
0: Yeah.
1: Be a conduit. Yeah. I mean that's I think
2: that's one of the
1: best ways to look at it. Is even though I've moved all around it's still been in America is very different depending what coast you're on. But it doesn't necessarily give the give me the inspiration that it does to go down to Oaxaca or go down to Mexico City, right? It's different, vibrant it, Really helps me too, but here's the th- here's one of the things I've kind of started to notice. In Texas, is okay. We're very close to Mexico. Yeah, of course. Do you get people that really have a distorted view of what Mexico is really like, that they don't understand
2: how beautiful it is, how rich in culture it is? Are we talking about in the industry or in general?
1: Just I would maybe say consumers might be a little more specific.
2: Um, well a perfect example is all over the United States with Cinco de Mayo yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know Cinco de Mayo everybody believes it's a Mexican Independence Day and it's right. a great uh, holiday in Mexico and which is it's a holiday in Mexico and it's very important but it's not Mexican Independence right. Day <laughs> and we don't celebrate you know everybody works you know it's not, it's not like a national a, holiday yeah, yeah yeah exactly um it's 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 a great holiday, but it's now Mexican Independence Day, and when people they, I don't even know who creates Cinco de Mayo, and that misunderstanding, and people you know wearing the sarapes and the big sombreros and the mm-hmm. mustache, you know, it's it's just another excuse to drink. Which it's uh, sometimes I celebrate some uh, uh, another holidays just as excuse to drink. <laughs> but, you know, everybody's <laughs> been there. Uh, but you know, it's just in general, it's like a and for me I feel like a part of my job is is to, you know, tell people. It's yeah. like, a, you know, educated, like, a, you know, yes, let's have fun at Cinco de Mayo, but let's remember it's La Batalla de Puebla.
1: Yeah. You know. That's absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't drink a lot, even though we should, because the French were kind of pushing out of Puebla. We should be drinking more cognac and shit <laughs> on <laughs> cinco de Mayo. But it's all yeah. it's all margaritas. Right? Yes. So the latest chapter in is this is this is the thing t- to your credit, Alan. I've had multiple people reach out to me and said, "Hey, have you met this new ambassador, Casadores?" I said, "No. Tell me more about him." And people, you're affecting people, and this isn't meant to be necessarily a deep compliment or anything, but you've affected multiple people that they they insisted that we sit down and talk, which wow. is just incredible of experience, <laughs> you know. And but now I kind of I get it, you know, how personable you are. But tell me how this opportunity came about to finally represent something from your past, from your grandfather's liquor cabinet.
2: Yeah, well, so basically, I, I didn't even know how I got this job and I love it. But <laughs> uh, basically working in the industry is, I did mostly of every single position at a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And I've been managing a restaurant. So... You know, the first thing that was popping on my head, what's next? And what's next is like, well, I think I should open my own place. Mm. It's like, I think it would be the perfect, you know, I have the knowledge. Mm -hmm. I can, you know, own it and managing at the same time, you know. know, And so I start looking for ideas, you know, how to open a place and things like that. And then maybe a partner, like, you know, uh, where to maybe two. well you know back then i was when you i know, still in new york city but then as more i was going deep yeah. i was getting more scared really yes i was like a, hey, this is no joke mm-hmm. because if i go all the way in i'm meaning it's not like a turn back right and if it's not successful i'm done like you know it's just like a, i feel like a it would be really hard for me to recover for a failure like that. Really? Yeah. And I was like, you know, I'm too scared. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it. So I kind of wiped it out from my memories. And I was like, but still, it's like, a, what's next? What's next in my life? Yeah. And I, through working in the industry, even when I was still managing or bartending, I always attend to the ambassadors, um, you know, educational Whatever they're representing, you know, it was like a tasting, you know, from a tequila or vodka or brandy or pisco, whatever. I was like, I'm there. I always was managing my time to go, to go. and (laughs) And that is a
1: very, very important thing. You were willing because you wanted to learn. Yeah. Willing to give up your time. And what that happens over time is when you're willing to give up your time, people give you their time. Yes. It ends up yes. being this kind of interesting balance. So I presume there was a fortuitous meeting
2: about Casadores or probably other brands, I'm sure, were talking to you. Well, yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of tequila and everything actually the agave produce. Mm-hmm. Everything that comes from the agave, uh, I, I'm, I'm a big fan. Yeah. So for me, it was um, when I see the ambassadors. I was like, what a great job. What a cool job. What a great people they are. You know, it's like I've been learning a lot from them. Plus, they're super cool. They're very humble. Mm -hmm. Mostly of them. Sure. Sure. You know, (laughs) everybody has different personalities. But I really, something started, you know, in my head that, you know, I might have to, I should apply for that for a job. But then talking with another uh, friends who work in the industry, it's like, Alan, I think you'll be a great an ambassador. It's like, actually, they were like, a, oh, I just saw in, uh Facebook that it's an open position for Jack Daniels. And I was like, bro, <laughs> do you hear my accent? I don't think I can do Jack Daniels. Well, they're trying to
1: diversify, Alan. It seems like a good role for you.
2: <laughs> you know, nothing wrong with Jack Daniels. I yeah. love Jack Daniels. Oh, but, you course. know, my thing is, like, I just I don't feel like I could do the – i don't know that job yeah you know and so so with that question at uh, that answer then I was like oh my goodness now i know what i want i want to represent something that can identify me
0: yeah
2: so what i feel really comfortable what i have a lot of knowledge and i was like a, and actually kind of weird but it took me kind of a little bit that because like oh well maybe rum maybe whiskey and i was like a, for some reason, it never, the tequila wasn't the first answer. Really? I don't know why. Even though it's, you know, really just down the street. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I decide, it's like, a, okay, it has to be tequila. Yeah. Oh my goodness. How can I couldn't believe that? So I decided that I only going to apply to a look for a job for a tequila brand in when that was like that's my
1: goal what year was it when you made this decision
2: 2016 probably wow well, a few years yeah. ago yeah the 2017 yes and and then to we are 2019 2017 i went to another tasting mm-hmm. and it was for tequila Casadores, and that was in new york city i was it was in brooklyn at leyenda oh yeah and being there, I met the global ambassador. So back then, he's the North America. His name is Manny Nojosa, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, he's so cool!" Yeah, and and I hear for cazadores before because you know it was in my uh, my grandfather's cabinet. Yeah, and. I was going to a lot of Bacardi events. So I already identified who was the Bacardi portfolio, who works for Bacardi. Mm. So after the tasting, we were just hanging out at the bar and I approached the Bacardi portfolio ambassador. Her name is Anna. And I was like, Anna, I really, really want a job as a brand ambassador before tequila. Yeah. That's what I say. I just say nothing else. It's like, a, okay, Anna, send me your resume. You know, uh, after, you know, but before that, we already knew each other for a sure. little bit. I sent her a resume and she told me, Alan, nothing is open at uh, the moment, but when something opens, we definitely let you know. A year later, I was working at Simstress. Mm-hmm. I was bartending, and she walked in with a huge smile on her face. She's like, Alan! And I'm like, wow, what's going on? It's like, finally, it's happening. The position of brand ambassador tequila it's open you should apply now she didn't tell me twice yeah. that night after my finish was done i apply and you know the rest is history you
1: yeah know, it's yeah one of the things the, that i admire about you and the story is that timeliness is this theme right maybe you need to email someone with a question simple maybe you need to text somebody with a particular question simple but you're gonna get it done quickly. Again, it goes back to giving your time. And I, I, I just we just got back from Houston this week, and there was a USBG event about branding and stuff. I was talking about, and it's always about making sure just do the thing fast. You know, like just take, just please reply because this is something I think a lot of people don't understand. Time is absolutely of the essence, especially in these kinds of opportunities. So now almost two years or full two years anniversary no, yet not yet
2: it's been like a year and a couple months oh, only wow, i feel okay. like uh, it's been like for two years or three <laughs> years
1: seriously i mean your hair
2: is it, it's a little gray like that's how that's how i judge <laughs> you know crazy thing okay just a, a little parenthesis they were taking a video of me yesterday and it was a little close up and then it, it was me because i was laughing i yeah, was just yeah. talking about tequila cazadores but a funny way and they showed me the video and everybody was laughing. And then I put a pause on the video and I was like, oh, my hair is getting <laughs> so gray."
1: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's almost like it's been a tough month. And they're like, oh, great. Well, this section of my chin is now gray for <laughs>
2: forever now, you know? Yeah. But that's all. Also, I'm not young. I'm, a, I, I'm almost 40.
1: Almost. When, uh, me too. You, uh, your birthday is like June 4th. Is June 4th, right? 82. 82. 82. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I got 40 in February 4th. Oh, yeah. You're older than I mean. Yeah, Well, my,
2: mine is still a couple of years. You're around the corner. Well, no, you know, yeah. I'm
1: chasing the grave now. You still got a lot of life left. In you, ah, yeah, but of course. <laughs> hey, this is the best years of my life. So
2: It really is as you get yeah. older.
1: All right. So let's let's talk about Tequila Casadores because from a production perspective, and I'm not going to drill you. It really bothers me sometimes about how people are really dogmatic. Like, oh, I agave mean, must be this. Mezcal must be this. I'm very open to all of it. And I've... Interestingly enough, my parents are in town. They haven't been in town for about uh, six months or so. And my dad's got a couple bottles behind the bar in their RV, of all places. <laughs> and there's a bottle of Casadores. And I said, oh, when did you get that? He says, oh, I've been getting it from Margaritas. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to interview the guy. The guy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's never really that impressed. But I'm impressed yeah. with myself. You know? so <laughs> but what this is, it's an 80 it's blue agave, of course, made... In Jalisco, highland, lowland, what, how would you describe
2: the flavor of Cazadores? So Tequila Cazadores, it is, uh, like you said, it's a 100% blue agave tequila, and it is from Jalisco, and, you know, the two major regions to produce tequila is uh, Los Altos de Jalisco, mm-hmm. the highlands, or a lot of people, they call them the lowlands, but their real name is El Valle, the mm. valley. Uh-huh. So Tequila Cazadores is from Los Altos de Jalisco. Uh, Each region from the valley and the highlands is completely different. Mm -hmm. It's completely different terroir. Uh, And there's something very unique about Tequila Cazadores is we have a red clay soil. Like
1: Arandas, right?
2: Yeah, uh, because we're in Arandas. Oh, you are okay. Good. Yeah. Is that the the same
1: region? It's the okay. Yeah.
2: So we are in the highlands. It's a small town. It calls Arandas. Ah, yeah. So we are from there. Yeah. yeah. Not bad company up there. Ah. There's some good people up there. Yeah. Tequileros. Yeah, yeah. It's a great tequila. We are really close from another. Well, other region, like you know, it's it's a great tequila producers.
1: Do you when people and this is not a question I'm gonna ask, but people do they because your education, you're in front of a lot of consumers a lot of industry what are some of the common concerns or questions you get in your classes or your events about
2: agave in general so it's um this is funny thing but before i tell you it's that i've been doing lots of trainings like yeah. i'm telling you like a lot of trainings with a lot of people and not, i don't get that many challenging cl- uh, questions that's probably good yeah, so or not not challenging, but sometimes like a more specific on the production of the tequila. Sure. I don't know if uh, you know what I'm, if I'm doing a great job or they're too shy <laughs> or lacking a, 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 a knowledge. I have yeah. no idea, but I know will come. And I feel like a, this kind of question is, is basically that's the one. It's like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. So um, for me, when people they ask me like some. Really good question is like, hey, what's going on with the agave? Sure. You know, I hear it's a shortage of agave right. production, and uh, and then another people there are they are asking is like, uh, well, how sustainable you guys are? You know, I hear this another tequila brands are doing this, this and that, and then the big question it is, what's going on with the diffuser? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and one of the greatest things that like you say everything is happening in the right time. Yeah. When I started working at Tequila Casadores, uh we had a new brand director. And he had his own way to do his work. And one of his priorities it was update the training material. Yeah. And so I had the opportunity to be participating on how to update this training material and one of my suggestions was like a we have to talk about what is a diffuser yeah and absolutely. why we're using it because a lot of tequila brands they use a diffuser but nobody talks about it actually sure.
1: well it's kind of just if you're gonna it, in a way it's lying about it if you don't want to talk about it you can't just it's a detailed production you can't just shove under the rug yeah it's so oh yeah well it's good well, it was sunny when you got here, and apparently, me talking so much drove it to be cloudy. Yeah, no, 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 no. Hey, I,
2: it's it's been a weird, interesting weather. It's
1: very, very different back yeah. and forth. But so, all right. So let's ask the question then. The diffuser, I can see some of the efficiencies of it, and honestly, I haven't sat down to try to understand the flavors between the two.
2: How do you feel about it? So, uh, for me, when I when I talk about these. Uh, um, but the diffuser, it just I tried to tell them, to explain it. Well, what is what is the machine does, yeah, and and basically trying to understand that then which I can talk about it, but yeah. but you know, it's just what is the even machine, but basically, yeah. and then uh, what are the machines does, and basically, what's the difference uh, between one diffuser versus the other diffuser. Mm-hmm. And one of the, the things that I like to highlight the most is that, well, I didn't know exactly how the other diffusers, they work because mm-hmm. they don't talk about it. They don't. So no. the only information that you get on is in the internet, on the blogs. Yeah. And people, they've been finding out somehow how they've been using these diffusers. And they were talking about it like uh, some ways that Tequila Casadores doesn't do at all. Mm-hmm. Number one is we don't use any kind of acids. And, oh. Uh, yeah, and then we don't cook through the diffuser. We cook uh, after diffuse. We cook it with the autoclaves. So we only use the diffuser because it really? is... Really?
1: So it's a combo of c- using chemicals and heat and water and then also using an autoclave.
2: Yeah, so basically... We use only the machine. It's an acid-free machine. And the, what the diffuser does is just extract the sugars of the agave. Right. So the agave, the raw agave goes from one side and small pieces. We mill it first. Mm-hmm. So And then how the diffuser works, it's uh, from the bottom, you have steam. Mm-hmm. And from the top, you have fresh water. Yep. And you have 16 cascades. Some tequila brands they use acid. Mm-hmm. We are not. Why the other tequila brands they use acid? Two, because they don't mill. They put the entire piña right. to the diffuser, so they have to use acid to loosen the fibers, mm-hmm. to extract the juices, and the acid somehow cooks the agave. But then what they do is they increase the heat, the steam heat, so they do two processing one. Yeah. So they you know, lose, extract the sugars, and they cook the sugars at the same time. So we are just, uh, we just use our water and steam. Yeah. So we don't use a high temperature. It's a low temperature, just enough to lose a little of the agaves, but then the water pressure then is extract all the juices. Yeah. So basically, we abstract up to 99% of the sugars mm-hmm. of the agave, which... At the end, we use less agave from the field.
1: Yeah. Well, because there's more efficiencies. Yeah. One of the things is that... And I, I don't make a stance on it necessarily because I want everybody to kind of taste. And if you like the way it tastes, then you like the way it tastes, you know? And But, but 99.9% is a much more efficient yield than any other method, ultimately.
2: So, basically, yours. Your 100% is way, way more efficient. Uh, and it's... Uh, we do it because, as when Bacardi got Tequila Casadores, it was mm-hmm. in two thousand seven, and the diffuser was already a Tequila Casadores distillery. Yeah. The the family who owned Casadores, they own they they installed the diffuser. They what I what we hear is in 1994, 1996, it was the worst. Uh, harvesting or, or worst uh, uh, shortage sure. of agave. So why? Because it was a horrible winters mm-hmm. and it was a buck that was eating the agaves. Mm-hmm. So the the family who own Tequila Casadores they are like, a, oh my goodness, we if this keeps going, we're not going to survive this industry. So they start finding different kind of options how they can you know survive if this continual. Right. So they install the diffuser. Why? Because you can strap more sugars uh, but it's versus like a, the taona. Yeah,
1: it's scarcity proof in a way, right? I never thought about it like that. To yeah. deploy a piece of, you know, mechanical piece of equipment that it says, "Well, I know that things are going to be tough sometimes, and we have to find a way to brave that." So I yeah. didn't know that that was really part of the strategy. It's
2: it's yeah, and and right now, uh, when tequila took over. Um, the distillery, one of the greatest things about the company that I feel really proud is, well, now all the distilleries, they're trying to make them as sustainable and zero waste. So they are making a huge investment to each of them. Mm -hmm. One of the huge investments they do at Tequila Cazadores is they install a machine right next to the diffuser. What this machine does is um, treats the agave fibers, we call them bagazo in mm-hmm, Spanish. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the diffuser, you have the raw agave, which it goes to the autoclave. And then on the other side, you have uh, agave fibers with no sugars at all. Mm. So we use this machine. It calls a biomass boiler mm-hmm. and treats these agave fibers, and it produces into biofuel. Mm. So the energy that produces like a 60% of energy of the basically the distillery from this yes mechanism, yeah. uh, so basically it's something that tequila uh, Bacardi added to you know trying to help the basically the environment you know trying to be at you know if we already have something that's wasteful let's try to use for a really good reason right yeah and I, I, li- I like to say sometimes an example when I'm in a restaurant a bar I tell the bartender so the manager like well picture this you are in your restaurant or your bar and you collect all the leftovers or your food from the guests mm-hmm. and all the garnishes. You separate and then you put it to a the diffuse machine and the diffuse machine will produce sixty percent of energy of your restaurant sure. or bar. Yeah. So it's kind of cool, right? You yeah. know. Oh, yeah. yeah. So so it's a – it's it's uh and and that and a lot of different kind of examples that Right now, Tequila Cazadores is sustainable and zero waste. Yeah. Yes, we started from the 1920s, but right now we're just trying to you know, take care of the planet. So sure. for me, it's one of the greatest things that uh, we, it's a lot of different, I can talk about it but yeah, later yeah. on, but a different kind of steps during the process that they make us very sustainable, very green. But then I, tell, I, think, I think I went a little over the conversation because we we're talking about the flavors, right? Also. Well, it, yeah,
1: <laughs> Yeah, but it, in a way, so let me ref- I'll ask a different question that kind of yes. ties all this together. But there's a massive interest in agave. Yes. So, what I see mezcal, tequila. How do you feel about the growing interest in all of the agave?
2: Like, like the agave boom? That's right.
1: Well, but it's it's weird because it's... Is it really that much money or is it more good PR? This is the thing I always am kind of struggling with because there's, it's been an increase, I think, of, oh, I can't remember the number, I think it was like really when it comes down to it, 60% increase year over year in, agave, in mezcal sales, for instance. But does that worry you? Everybody coming into this beautiful
2: category, does that cause a problem or is it an opportunity? Um, I think, you are right now uh, we have, El Consejo Regulador de Tequila, which is Regulatory Tequila Council. So basically, right now, they, you know, Mexico's government sometimes gets crazy, you know, a lot of corruption. But they, it's a good people's. Mm -hmm. And then they're trying to basically increase the production of the tequila because they see this it's a great business yeah. and it's a great business not just money-wise but also to represent mexico all over the globe yeah you know everybody you know oh. we, uh, 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 even mexico where it's a tourist they want to make sure that everybody tastes the tequila mm-hmm. because the tequila it has a history sure. you know and this mexico so you know we want people who come to mexico and try the tequila so I feel like tequila has been growing like, like crazy this past year. But I feel it's mostly is because Mexico wants to be everywhere. Yeah. And and if you do, if you, are you know, the history tells you. Because, you know, a lot of people has been going for many, many years to, uh how you call it, uh, the vacation, the spring break. In oh, Mexico. right. Yeah, yeah. And... A lot of people, they just learned the good way or the bad way about tequila, Mm -hmm. you know, and and probably they were drinking, you know, tequila mixto and a lot of tequila and start getting some reputation. Could be good, it could be bad. But they were coming, go back to their countries and they were talking about tequila. But where you believe where it was the huge increase of tequila, it was through the celebrities Mm -hmm. of the tequila. You know, like, you know, the big deal of... Yeah, uh, the George Clooney, uh, the George Clooney thing. thing. The Rocks got a new brand launching. The Rocks launching. coming up, yeah. with
1: some, other, what, some other country artist. Whatever, man. Like, uh, George Strait's got one. Codijo, I think he's got a mark over there. And that's, I mean, that's... We're not going to... Pre- that happens. And
2: so, for me, it is that a lot of people there are like, Oh, but, you know, but what about the agave? Mm-hmm. You know, to make tequila, it takes like around... Could be take from five to ten years sometimes. Yeah. So, what is going to happen with tequila? So, where right now is promising, uh, consejo regulador de tequila or CRT or TRC, they're promising that for every tequila that's supposed to be s- sold, mm-hmm. it should be enough agave. And they know they are doing their, um, how you say demographics from the couple next year's, yeah, they yeah. know that it's forecasting. Going to incre- forecast, thank you, thank you. Uh, they're doing the forecasting and they know it's going to increase every year, so they supposed to make sure that every tequila uh, uh, brand, they should be aware or they should start making contracts with the agaveros, yeah. the gimadores, or the people who grow the agave. They're making contracts to make sure that we have no agave for, you know, forever basically, for in, in 20 years, mm-hmm. 50 years, and 80 years. So it'll be here.
1: <laughs> there's a bit of panic, I think. <laughs> you know, there's a bit of, uh, what's the word?
2: people are getting worried it's you know? It, you know paranoia but that's 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 good to have paranoia but then you know i i, I tell sometimes people it's like uh, you know sometimes do your homework like yeah. you know trying to you know google and sure. trying to find out because you know sometimes people they're waiting for the answers and they're not willing to you know look for them that's right yeah. well
1: that's one of the things too is that I don't ever consider myself in a journalistic capacity, but I know people listen to this, and I know that people expect some answers, but I don't want to color anything. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that I don't have a stance, but you can probably blind me on something. I'm like, oh, this this tastes good. It's like, oh, well, it's diffuser. like, oh, okay. I'm not going to be pissed about it, you know? But I think that's the thing that really bothers me is everybody's just, they're dogmatic about it, and they're just so, well, if it's not done this way, it's not right. But then if you just take out that element yeah, of them it's, knowing.
2: It's like a, pe- people ask me like a, a lot, actually. Uh, They're like, okay, Alan, you know, you represent Tequila Cazadores and you born and raised in Mexico. It's like a yes. It's like a, well, you know, before you represent Tequila Cazadores, what kind of tequilas you used to drink? Or yeah. now that you have Cazadores, it's like a, do you have a favorite tequilas? And I was like, uh, yeah, of course. You know, it's, 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 that's, that's uh I feel like uh, it's like if you're a wine producer, mm-hmm. you know, you not only want to drink your own wine, of you know, course. you respect the other expressions, yeah, and you're going to drink, and then you want to actually, you know, learn, you know, what they're doing, and and, and appreciate the art of, you know, basically in that case we're talking about uh, wine, but the art of tequila, sure, you know, the art of of, of uh, uh fermenting and distilling because. You know, it's it's where you get all the flavors, of the aromas. Yeah. You know, so for me, like I when, when when people tell me about like I you know, oh, the thing is like the diffuser, it will change the flavor of the tequila. It's like a well maybe if you ask acids probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in our case, we don't use any acids. We just extract in the sugar, mm-hmm. and then after that, we cook the agave raw agave in the autoclave. Right now, there we're not trying to change the flavors. We're just trying to make sure that. The sugars they are ready to be fermentable. Yeah. Where, what is tequila for? Tequila Cazadores is or fermentation mm-hmm. and or distillation. Yeah. That's the most important. Yeah, and
1: you can give me your recipe and I can try to do it and I'll never make it <laughs> taste the same. So that's the great part is that everybody tastes different. They've got different recipes and air quotes and different processes and that that's what provides such a eclectic mix of agave stuff. So I'm, I'm with you. On that. Yeah. So it does... You know, I got a couple questions left for you. This is one of the most notable weekends in Austin, yes. Because of ACL Festival, you being here in town, does that have anything to do with, with the festival? No, no, no.
2: I actually, I am in town. I would love to go to the concerts, but I will not have the time to do it. I'm here in Texas because La Gran Familia, uh-huh. which we call it us uh, as a a Bacardi, that you know, because it's still it's a company that's still uh, family owned. So, we, I'm going to meet all my primos and primas, that's how we <laughs> call it, all our, our, our family. Like basically, we have a huge advocacy uh, summit, yeah. so ambassadors from all over North America, we're meeting here in Austin, Texas for two days uh, a seminar. And we want to be, like, about 90 ambassadors. Wow. Yeah, it's going to be pretty cool.
1: Some great people in the mix there. Mr. Dwayne Fernandez. I hope he's joining you guys. Oh, yes. He will be there. Rafael, yeah. Andres yeah. Chopitapara, which is a good guy as well. He is amazing.
2: Yeah. If you're hearing this, Andres, I love you. He will.
1: Because like, he's the one that kept <laughs> getting us to try to make sure we were talking to get this thing <laughs> to happen. Yeah. Well, so I've got two more questions for you. Yeah. One of which is, you're sipping... Casadores, anywhere in the world, doesn't matter where. But you can have a sip and a conversation with anyone living or deceased. Who would you love to just post up at the bar with and have a conversation with?
2: Uh, You know, I was looking, someone post, I I was uh, reading an article from someone And they made a question to a very uh, influential bartender. And I tried to ask that same question for me. I was like, "Ah, who would I like to drink a really nice tequila? Yeah. And it it
1: has to be present, past. Anybody deceased or anybody, really? Anybody in the
2: history? Wow. Um, I probably, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's just so many people in my head. Yeah. But... I probably would be one of the pioneers of of the tequila industry probably because tequila has a history of, you know, at some point in the history, uh, tequila was running the country. Yeah. So they had, it was very related to the politics. Uh, It was very related to the industry, you know, giving the jobs to people. So, and then that's, I feel like back then, people, they find out that tequila it was, was represented in Mexico. Mm-hmm. You know, la me- they call it La Mexicanidad. So I think, you know, probably one of the, the pioneers of the tequila, which is uh, Tequila Salsa and Jose Cuervo, I do yeah. one, one, of, one of those producers or having both of them and be like, hey guys, so let's, drink, let's talk about tequila. <laughs> and they couldn't have probably seen that
1: far ago that it would have such an impact on modern economics. No
2: less modern culture, right? I would love to do it with Frida Kahlo too.
1: Ah, yes, yes,
2: yes. I heard
1: in Diego both.
2: I think yeah, I would love yeah, to sit I mean, with both yeah. Now that we do a combo, both of them. Ooh, yeah. Oh man. And then they probably they scream each other and fighting and then kissing again, That's like right. you know.
1: <laughs> I don't think we'd walk away unscathed. I think there'd be one or two punches thrown from whom? That's yeah, right. anyone's guess, right? <laughs> so the last question is: as you kind of. You've got a year and two months into this role. And there are lots of questions, lots of places to go, lots of places to be, lots of people to meet. What's kind of the thing that keeps you balanced? Because when you're out being social, potentially drinking, that's always a choice, right? But being healthy, being centered, having clarity, what are some things that you do to maintain
2: clarity, centeredness as you're traveling all the time? Uh, So basically... So my job is the North America tequila brand ambassador. So I go all over the United States. I go to Canada. And I had the opportunity to go, of course, to the tequila distillery, mm-hmm. which is in Jalisco. So I go and visit my family. Best best job ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and we have to have definitely a balance. I feel like uh, when I start, because i never been a brand ambassador before. Right. You know, from right. bartender, right. I jumped to being North America brand ambassador. Wow. Mm-hmm can't believe it. But uh, I start feeling it in my body. I was like, a, I was, you know, being in restaurants all the time. You know, the option of drinking is there. And I start feeling it in my body and then traveling. So for me, there worst something that would really, really balance is uh, working out. Yeah. You know, and uh, at the beginning it was, you know, I love food. Yeah, and sometimes because I start traveling so much, I was asking you know the most traditional healthy dish of each city, and sometimes was they're not the most healthy ones. Right. So you know it's it, the, the eating, but the, the most important is the working out. And and right now Tequila Casadores, it has a great program it's called Bar Spar. I don't know if you heard about oh, it before. Yeah. It's where where we train um, boc- bartenders to become amateur boxers, and we're doing it because. The life of the bartenders is sometimes it's not the best, a more healthy one. Yeah. So we're trying to give you the opportunity that and teach them how can still being a bartender, you can be very a healthy bartender. So we train for 90 days. And then after that, they do a huge fine night, huge production, almost yeah. like in Las Vegas. <laughs> and I had the great, great opportunity that when I'm traveling, I right now, we have bartenders training from all over right now we have people in toronto and vancouver and chicago new york they're about to start training people in vancouver um san diego dallas las vegas san francisco yeah. so when i'm traveling i'm going to uh the training venue and then start boxing with them you put the
1: paddles on and get them to do the
2: jabs and the uppercuts yes and yes i'm really about in coordination but <laughs> the working out is unreal yeah and when i if if i don't have the opportunity to um have the same day when they are training when i'm traveling and i have the opportunity to go and book my hotel i always try to find a hotel with a nice gym yeah because that will inspire me and push me to do some exercise i'm not a person who runs i need i need a gym yeah Yeah, no
1: (laughs) weightlifting i think is really really important and I I, fi- I feel the same way, you know. If you're going to live a life that's social, which is great, but if you're going to integrate cocktails or booze, you have to have a the balance there. A salad, jump roping, you know, yes. all these things. That I think is really important. I agree, I agree. Well, yeah. finally, so we've waited. Uh, man, I think it's nine months. It's it's bound to be at least nine months since we've tried to get
0: together. Oh yeah, to that's this. true. Yeah, yeah. Yes, it's been a while.
2: Is yes. yeah. So I was. And, and before coming to Austin, I've been everywhere. I've been traveling a lot. And I wasn't sure which exactly dates I was coming. So yeah. I got my ticket last minute, which it was crazy the price because we had the S- S- ACL. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, concerts. Yeah. So I was like, why so it expensive? And I was like, oh, because the concerts. Everybody wants here. to be here. Yeah. Yes. And I was like, so finally when I book my hotel, the first thing it pops in my head, is like, a, <gasps> I have to contact him. It's like, a, hopefully he's available. And, you know, if he's not available, at least, you know, the interest is right there. Yeah, of course. You know, because I I, I was, you know, looking forward to, to have this opportunity and, and talk to you. And so you had this space. You gave me this opportunity, the, a couple, I don't know, hours we talk. I don't yeah, know. it was like,
1: an, it's, a, we're at an hour and nine minutes. Oh, exactly. Perfect. perfect.
2: Yes. So
1: thank you for your time. Of really course, appreciate man. It, man. You know, about giving time it's about sharing time but it's also about having a list of things you want to knock out (laughs) so you know it's a short list of people that i want to interview and it grows of course but it's like whenever alan is in town hey i
2: i I, I hear your podcast that i think that's great you have a great people uh who you interview and i'm pretty sure that you will continue to have a great 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 podcast uh so i'm very glad i'm now one of them yeah Part of, the, Very proud. part of the team now. <laughs> part of the team. It's great. Scarf. There you go.
1: <laughs> well, it's been brilliant finally getting to sit down and chat with you. Thanks so much for sharing all this stuff. And hopefully we'll see each other soon. Let me know next time you're in Austin. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So we can have some tequilitas and mezcales. more than ever. Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> all right. Safe travels.
2: Okay. Thank you. Really appreciate it.
1: So there we have it. What do you guys think? Mr. Alan Campelayo of Casadores Tequila. Really interesting guy. Has fought his way to be where he is. Learning English. Being in the kitchen. Being on the floor. Learning wine. Learning agave. Everything in between. It was great that we'd been battling it out. To try to figure out how to set up a chat for months now. And thanks to Andres Chupitapara. It finally happened via email. Alan, so lovely to chat with you. I hope we get to sip some more mezcal very soon. So thanks everybody for listening to Show to V with Mike G. No matter how many cups of coffee you've had today or if you've simply forgotten to put on pants because you've been cleaning the house, please keep dancing.